I see it, a lot of people have kind of regimented mornings, regimented afternoons. They really are focusing on the prioritization of their time. And my friend Joe John, who's a big time uh, financial planner guy, he made his entire office take time off in the middle of the day to go to yoga or work out. A friend of mine down the street, Scott, believes that you can only work 50 minutes in a row. So everybody takes a 10 minute break. And Scott works harder than anybody I've ever met. He's probably the smartest guy I've ever met has been in charge of mega companies. And he doesn't think he's very successful, but he's run these huge companies. And I've never seen anybody work harder, but he takes these 10 minute breaks to focus. Now I'm 50. I didn't know this shit when I was 25. And I went up and I met with people and I talked to people and I read books and listened to things. And then I've incorporated this over time. So give yourself a break. If you're not perfect at it at 22, you got another <laughs> 70 years to get perfect at it. Welcome to the Edge of Excellence podcast. This show is for current and aspiring leaders that are dedicated to showing up every day in their lives with excellence. We break down the careers of those excelling so you can understand what is out there and how to rise up in every field you choose. Let's get the show on the road, shall we? Your host has spent his life promoting global entrepreneurship, helping 20-somethings find their passion and working to help others achieve excellence. CEO of CollegeWorks, Matt Stewart. Hey, Edge of Excellence listeners. This episode is going to be a little bit different. On this episode, we have my interview with Ryan Atkinson. Ryan Atkinson is a mover and shaker at a young age. I actually had him on my show, so we've done this one both ways. This time, I'm being interviewed by Ryan on his podcast, the Business Cloud Podcast. He's got some simple ideas that he pulled out of me on how to achieve your dream and some of the processes I went through. Hope you enjoy this interview with Ryan and check out Ryan's podcast, the Business Cloud Podcast. So, Matt, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I'm super excited for you. Thank you so much for having me, Ryan. One question we got to, we always have our kickoff question. And that's going to be, it's a very, I thought of this question like two weeks ago and I loved it. If you could be any leisurely object, what would you be? Any leisurely object? Mine's a kayak. (laughs) You wouldn't want to be a chair because you're sat in all the time. No. (laughs) Kayak's not very leisurely. That's a lot of hard work. Any leisurely object, I'd probably have to be like a uh, kickboard or a surfboard or a boogie board. So because it's pretty leisurely, it can just lay there. But every once in a while, it gets moving fast and can do some crazy stuff. I think that's what I would be. That's a great one. That's a great one. I love it. Um, And I want to hand it over to you now. Can you do a quick introduction about yourself? uh, All about Matthew Stewart, Matt Stewart. (laughs) Usually I have other people do them because it sounds like you're bragging, but I'll go ahead and try. My name is Matt Stewart. I've got two kids. Um, all I ever wanted to do in the world was be a great father. I could have done a little bit better. So I do have regrets. I want to know regrets. I do have regrets. I've done pretty well with entrepreneurship. Um, I have a few companies that I co-founded uh, and I really enjoy art of entrepreneurship, the science of entrepreneurship. I've kind of devoted my life to entrepreneurship. I was chairman of the global board for the Entrepreneurs Organization, which was cool, traveling all over the world, meeting all sorts of entrepreneurs. I uh, help younger people with entrepreneurship in my business, one of our businesses, and in my life and for hobbies. I like mountain biking. I like 
backcountry skiing, all the things that break your body. And I love to help my kids, friends and my friends, kids with uh, getting into college, figuring out their careers, kind of my sweet spot. Awesome. I love that. I love that. And can you take us that sweet spot? Can you take that into like your businesses, like how that has been incorporated with like CollegeWorks and all your other businesses you've started? Yeah. So, and I, uh, CollegeWorks was an existing company with a different name started by somebody else and it just fell apart. So we, my partnership, really two people before me restarted it and I kind of came in late. So, uh, other companies we started together at the same time, but I came in late and, you know, I, I was a, I was a college student at UC Santa Barbara. I grew up in New Mexico. I didn't really know what I wanted to do for a living. And so I had that very common experience of trying to figure out life in your late teens, early twenties with no resources. I didn't have a whole lot of exposure to careers out there. Um, so I wanted to be a lawyer because people said, Hey, you should be a lawyer. <laughs> and my whole life I was getting ready to be a lawyer and I didn't really like going to school. I'm not a detail oriented person, but I'm still going to go be a lawyer. And then one day I stumbled across this business that I am now owner of and we restarted and I was thrown into business. I had no idea what I was doing. And it turned out that the things that people were telling me would be good for law school really would be great for business. So I kind of stumbled across business and became a business person accidentally because the business went out of business and we had to restart it. <laughs> and I work with uh, my best friends and we've worked together for 28 years. So we've started other businesses together and we're just kind of, it's kind of like a marriage. So we keep starting new things and doing new things uh, because we like working together. And over time, we started a few businesses and my other partners, and we have many partners now, they go off and do what they want to do. I keep gravitating back to the original company which is called College Works Painting, um, because I love working with 20-somethings. I saw myself not really knowing what to do, so I can help people figure out what to do. I saw myself kind of not being ready for a career, and this business helped me get ready for a career. And I like being there in the beginning when people are figuring things out and really kind of lifting the ceiling off themselves. And so as I look for other things to do in the community, it's always kind of geared around entrepreneurship, and younger people figuring out their passions. Oh my God, that sounds like a hell of a life to live. And it sounds like it's a really like high impact life you live of like actually being able to make an impact in people's lives and help them decide really what they want to do for the rest of their life. Yeah, um, <laughs> it's, I, I, I recorded a podcast today and the guy on my podcast, who's a good friend of mine, gave me his five steps for figuring things out. And I'll share them with you. You are the sum of your five, five biggest values, so write them down. Um, you're the sum of your, you are what you think. So what are your five primary thoughts? Um, what are your five primary goals? What are your five primary habits? And what are the five priorities you spend the most time in? So that was his system. And, you know, I find from talking to CEOs and other entrepreneurs, pretty much all of them, want to want to do great things and help people out. And they're not trying to squash people in the world. They're trying to lift people in the world. But we're all constantly trying to figure out how to get it done. And and, you know, we're moving, but we, it's like we have bumpers in our bowling alley and the bumpers are <laughs> going back to your goals, going back to your value, going back to your habits, going back to your routine. So I spent a lot of time on thinking about all that stuff. And so, yeah, now I've gotten to the point where um, I got my little sweet spot. So when all my friends that have done all these favors for me and favors for my family. I get to the point where their kids are at the age where I've been working for 30 years. 
then I can start delivering value back to the people that have been helping me. So it's a big pay it forward that I'm trying to do. I love it. And like those five things that you should write down, I mean, which, which area do you think young 22 year olds struggle with the most defining? Is it their values, their goals, their habits? Uh, what's an area improvement that you think young 22 year olds or young 20 year olds should really hone down? Well, I think 20, 20 year olds want to get it all done by the time they're 26. Yeah. So I, I would say patience is probably something to think about. You don't have to live your whole life and retire by 35 and you won't. So you're setting yourself up for disappointment. You're not going to be as good as me at life planning and goal setting and all that stuff because I've read a hundred books on it. I've seen 400 speakers on it. I've had 2000 hours of conversation on it. So be patient and give yourself some credit. Um, You know, how to eat an elephant one bite at a time. So figuring out your life plan and your career plan, first of all, is impossible. Yeah. (laughs) You're going to, they say you're going to change it six times. Um, And it's a series of steps. So you're not making leaps. You're making a series of steps. So um, I think knowing your values is really important, but you already know them. So articulating them, writing it down, narrowing it down. Do you do that exercise today? Do you do that exercise in 10 years? But it's probably worth it at some point in time writing down your values. It's probably worth at some point in time writing down your goals. If you're in, if you're depressed right now, you're in a funk right now. Now is not the time. Yeah. you know, eventually I wrote down my goals. Eventually I figured out my values. Eventually I looked at my routines. Eventually I looked at my habits and I keep steering off course, right? You know, right now I'm overweight because I haven't been following my exercise and eating routine. So I have to kind of steer myself back. Uh, I go on, you know, a big, long business trip and I'm kind of off all of my routine. So I have to steer myself back, but knowing where you want to go and, and, and having some faith and serendipity and faith and change just putting something out there that you're moving to and looking at values, routine, who you hang out with. I do think fire all the narcissist, narcissistic friends you have right now is a good idea. I think looking at how you invest your time with people is a good idea. But there's five things. And um, I would say none of those. I remember when I sat down with my wife and we did our values and we did our three-year plan and she thought oh. I was crazy and no one in the family looked at it. And all my friends thought I was weird. And eventually, you know, I've done it with all of them now, but it's the right time and and there's a lot of living to do. So I wouldn't worry about getting everything done right now, but it's not a bad idea to pick one and start with it. Nice. Absolutely. And like when you write down that three-year plan, is it, you know, you might take some actions where like, oh, like you said, I really need to steer back into court because this is my three-year plan or how flexible should you be on that three-year plan? Yeah. Three-year plan's an interesting, three years, real short term. So you have this year. What do you want to get done this year? What are you going to what are you going to measure as a win this year? If you're looking for a job, there's little steps along the way. Getting your resume dialed in. How are you going to celebrate that? Getting 20 cover letters written. How are you going to celebrate that? Getting that first interview. How are you going to celebrate that? So what do you what are you going to do to celebrate the little steps to whatever the goals are this year? Every year I pick a theme for the year. Usually it has to do with me managing my anger. So I had the year of Jill, the year of Jake, the year of Kennedy because I needed a mindset of of positivity. Every day I start off with three affirmations about myself and my wife because I need that that positive mindset. But, you know, where are you going today? What's the one or two big things that would make this year a win? And then you can look at three to five years. And then I don't think it's a bad idea to have a bucket list. And, you know, planning 10 years out or 20 years out is difficult, but a bucket list or a, or a vision board or something, like I didn't ever think I'd, I'd be a business owner. <laughs> but I wanted to be a partner in a law firm, which, you know, is similar. 
and I'm going in that direction <laughs> and, it, and it, it veers. Right. But I, I, I knew I was going that direction. I knew, you know, you're not going to sit home and drink beer and watch games all day, every day. You're going to have to have a job. You're going to have to have an internship. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, I think it's important to kind of look short term, medium term, long term. Think about how you're going to celebrate it. And then think about what steps you need to take today to get there. And it's okay if you're not practicing perfectly every day. Nice. I really, really like that. And let's just say if someone wanted to be like an entrepreneur, that's in my three-year plan. What are some first steps? What are some steps that you would take? Uh, what, what would you tell someone that was my age that had that as their three-year plan? Like, I want to start a business in three years. Yeah, um, I would say, again, patience. Because maybe you find a great place that you're working where you're not the entrepreneur. And yeah. maybe you're able to develop great skills working in someone else's company and maybe a great resume and maybe some industrial and non-industrial knowledge that will make whatever business you start 10 times as successful, but you got to wait five years instead of three years. So I would say patience again. Um, I would say money. Uh, I'm lucky enough to have a partner that was really good at raising money. I didn't have any money. So he (laughs) raised the money for the business. And you know, how are you going to pay for things so you can make a bunch of money and save it? You can get access to money, but there's always a cost. And, and I used to have these lists of business ideas from when I was a little kid. I was going to have a limo company and I had it all planned out. I did have a lawn business. Um, I had a few other companies all laid out and I've never put any of those into action. Um, but I thought them out and put the cost down. I would work on it in high school and stuff. And I, I didn't even know what an entrepreneur was. I wanted to be a lawyer. This was just kind of happening on the side. <laughs> so I think if you're constantly brainstorming, like the goal, the goal setting, I find if people set goals and they write it down and they never look at it again, they're still going to hit most of the goals. Mm. And just the act of going through the exercise, the act of brainstorming different businesses. And I, again, I was talking to this guy today. He was a pro volleyball player. That's cool. And, and now he has a logistics company. And all he does is get things from point A to point B. He doesn't own the trucks. He doesn't own the stuff. He just moves things from point A to point B. He's in that business because he needed a, a job that was only eight months because he's a pro volleyball player four months out of the year. He needed an eight-month job and he wanted residual income. So he looked at all these industries where he'd have residual income. There was one that hired him for an eight-month job. He got good at it, started a company, sold it, started another company, sold it. So usually entrepreneurship kind of falls into your lap. And if you're, if you're open to other ideas and you're open to other... Mine fell in my lap. The company I work for basically went bankrupt. Um, people come and they want to be partners. So it keeps falling in, in, in our lap. And I think just being open to ideas and open to people and the act of brainstorming and thinking about it makes you more aware. For example, you're going to go buy a white um, Mini. Yeah. <laughs> and all of a sudden, every car you see in Boston is a white Mini because your mind's thinking about yeah. white Minis. You never noticed them before. Say you want to start a, a XYZ business. All of a sudden you start noticing more and more and more. And I think it's uh, the plan isn't the idea isn't important. Um, the people are pretty important. Uh, uh, the money is, you know, somewhat important. You can take any idea and kill it and do a horrible job with it. You can take any idea and run with it. If you can't distribute it, you can't sell it. It's a horrible idea. And I've got sitting right here. I got my little cartoon from my chemical company. Dude, that's the greatest chemical ever made. You could drink it and it killed mildew. I couldn't sell it to save my life. 
because I do business to consumer sales. And all of a sudden, I'm reinventing my life at Home Depot, trying to sell business to business. Didn't know the pricing, didn't know anything, lost a million bucks because it was a great idea, but not in the right hands. So if you Uh keep, keep thinking and keep thinking, eventually the idea and the hands go together. I really like that concept. So even if it's a perfect idea, it's just, I don't have any experience with this and it's just not for me. That's a really interesting concept. Well, in your 20s, you don't have any experience with anything. Yeah. So I, I'm 50. I don't want to go start a chemical company. I don't want to be 21 again. Yeah. I, want to, I want to leverage what I already know how to do. Mm-hmm. In your 20s, you don't really know how to do much. So you just pick something that you're going to run with. But you know, once you've picked that thing, you know, that you start to develop a core competency, stick with it. So in your, if you're looking to start a business, you can look at what you do every day. And maybe you don't like what you do every day. So you look at what you do like about it and why you like that part of it and what the elements of that part are and what other things out there in the world are similar in their elements to the elements that you like and what skills do you need. And I don't know if you spend 30 minutes a day brainstorming about it. If you want to be an entrepreneur, you're thinking about it once in a while. Yeah. Start writing things down looking for patterns. And I think it'll come and save, save, save your money. I love it. So it sounds like a lot of patience comes from this because like for me, like I'm definitely in like that mindset of like, go, go, go. Like if I don't have something started when I'm 26, like I'm a failure. You're a loser. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Loser. You're not, not married by 30, not retired by 35, which I don't even know what that means. You don't have real estate. You haven't done all this stuff. And so I'm really sensitive to it because I spend all my time with 20-year-olds. Yeah. And then I, I spend my time with either 20-year-olds or 50-year-old CEOs. Mm-hmm. And the 50-year-old CEOs talk about how the 20-year-olds just want to get it done and, they're, and, and they're, they're driving themselves crazy. And then I go with the 20-year-olds. And you know, I have one kid that works for me right now. He wants to be the next Elon Musk. I'm like, dude, <laughs> get your shit done here. Yeah. You want to be the next Elon Musk? Do better in what you're doing right now. You're here for a year. My brother's my brother was on my podcast and he said uh, my brother was chief of staff of Microsoft and he was way yeah. up, way up there, right below the president of Salesforce. And he's had these really cool um, marketing positions, I guess it'd be called. And he says he, he suggests committing to things for a year and playing it out. Um, and I suggest that everybody in their 20s. Um, what, what, what did this guy say to me today? Comparison, comparison and something is the end of happiness, is the mm. antithesis of happiness. And I forget the second one, but you got Instagram coming out there telling you oh. this person's vacation's better, this person's girlfriend's hotter, this person's car is better, this person's life's better. You should be a sugar baby. I got a 17 year old girl, and all her and all her friends think that sugar baby's a career. Like, oh my God, <laughs> what, what is going on in the world today? And it's just so fast paced. And yeah, you know what? There's 26 year olds that are worth a billion dollars now, like three of them. And there's 30 year olds that retire, like five of them. But most of us have to learn to really enjoy our lives. And you got to focus on that. You got to try to enjoy it. You got to find the good in it. You got to put your time in. And we're probably, you guys are all probably going to be working another 80 years. So if you're going to be disappointed for 55 of those years, that's a real <laughs> bummer. I never thought I'd be in the construction business. I never thought I'd be in the teaching business. I never thought that I'd have as much revenue and profit as we had. I never thought I'd be in the real estate business. I always wanted to be married and be a dad. Thought it would be easier than it is. So <laughs> life's a bunch of curveballs. And, you know, if you're just, 
allow yourself a little bit more time and allow yourself to celebrate yourself. And maybe back to what we talked about before, you write your values down, you set your goals, you look at your routines, you look at your uh-huh. habits, you look at your, the people that surround you and you celebrate what's working. Like, God, I hope my son is sitting at Tulane University celebrating when he gets a B instead of a C, celebrating when he's done with a test and he feels good about it, celebrating that he's halfway through college and not freaking out about <laughs> becoming a billionaire by the time he's 30. Because, God, there's more, more to life than just putting up scores. I mean, how are you impacting people? I, I don't compare to my friends. My friends all smoke me, like every which way you can measure it. They have bigger planes. They've got bigger houses. They've got more money. Their kids have better haircuts, whatever it is. <laughs> and I sit there and I think, well, what have I done them for them lately? And every day when I go to sleep, I can sleep well because I know I've tried my hardest to serve the community, serve my business, serve my family, serve my friends. And I don't need to be the richest, the most retired, have the biggest company. And anytime I've tried to do that, I've always lost. So my little, my little shadow man over here of my chemical company, that was me trying to get rich and become a, a really successful entrepreneur. Didn't work. But when I've chased my passions, like I love working with 20-somethings. I love watching people's eyes sparkle when they figure it out. I love helping my friends' kids get into college and find their careers. When I do that, and I, and I don't, don't charge for the stuff I do with my on the side. But when I'm chasing the passion, I'm much more successful at it. Wow. So there is that saying of like passion over profit. And like, I don't know if that's actually saying, maybe I just go with that, but it sounds like it's like true to you. It's like, it's really something, find something you're passionate about and run with that. Cause at the end of the day, that's really all that matters. Yeah. It's easy to make money if you don't care if you make money at it. Okay. I like that. I like that. What are some things that come to mind? Like I'm a huge habit person. I love to, Thinking about my habits, I'm very routine based. I mean, what are some habits that you see in high performers that you think everyone should consider doing? Uh, goal setting for sure, a regular goal setting, um, time management skills where they're analyzing how they're spending their time and their weeks out budgeting for time are kind of the two starters. But I, I believe in routine. Um, and so you look at the really successful people, they have their morning routine. And I don't practice my morning routine always. But when I'm on my game, I do my three affirmations for the day, my three affirmations about my wife before I get out of bed. I try to meditate, which I rarely do, and I should do more. Same boat. <laughs> I, I get to work before the day starts, which I don't care when the day starts. The day starts at 1130. I get to work at 1030. And I like to spend some time preparing for the day, um, eat well. Uh, so that's my morning routine and ching, 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 ching. It just goes down the line. Um, when I'm really on my game, I'll add my wife in there and we do a 15 minute dog walk, coffee wow. and read the paper for 15 minutes just so I get 30 minutes with her. But it's, life's about practice. I don't practice perfectly. So I've got kind of three versions of the routine. I do my exercising in the evening because if I do it in the morning, I'll just hit the snooze bar and not go. So I, you got to know yourself yep. um, and exercise is really important for me, not just for the, the physical element of needing less sleep when you exercise, being less angry and aggressive when you exercise, having a clearer head when you exercise. But I do it outside in the hills of Southern California. Oh. So I've got the lizards and the birds it's and the flowers. Thing. Yeah. So it's kind of like, and I do a lot of bike riding. It's kind of like the meditation. Um, and, you know, a lot of people will have an evening routine as well. And some of my friends, you know, have added some elements to me, decompress in the car before I get out of the car, 
Mm -hmm. um, so I don't come in carrying my work day. I used to leave my phone in the car from six to eight when my kids were little so I could just have the kid time. Um, and, I, and I see a lot of people have kind of regimented mornings, regimented afternoons. Um, they really are focusing on prioritization of their time. And my friend Joe John, who's a big time uh, financial planner guy, he, he made his entire office take time off in the middle of the day to go to yoga or work out. Nice. A friend of mine down the street, Scott, believes that you can only work 50 minutes in a row. So everybody takes a 10 minute break. And Scott works harder than anybody I've ever met. He's probably the smartest guy I've ever met, has been in charge of mega companies. And he doesn't think he's very successful, but what? He, he's run these huge companies. And I've never seen anybody work harder, but he takes these 10 minute breaks to focus. So I think whatever works for people, but if you find something that works, there's a repeat to it. And, you know, like I said, now I'm 50. I didn't know this shit when I was 25. And I went up and I met with people and I talked to people and I read books and listened to things and that have incorporated this over time. So give yourself a break. If you're not perfect at it at 22, you got another <laughs> 70 years to get perfect at it. I love that. I love that. It sounds like you've been like you're surrounded by like a ton of like high performers. I mean, is there like a common uh, characteristic or trait that they all possess in their personal life and their business life? I'm surrounded by high performers because I belong to two groups of high performers. I, I belong to the entrepreneurs organization, which I was the global chairman of. So not only was I a member, but then, you know, as a member, you have to kind of volunteer for things. So I volunteered for the local board, then the regional board, and then they made me the global chair. So I had a lot of exposure to high performers there. I was also a member of Vistage, which used to be tech, which was 14 high performers. I belong to YPO. So my social life is spent um, with other people that are like-minded that want to come in and share their issues and opportunities and they want to learn and grow. And so because that's where I focus my learning time, I end up having a lot of high performers around me. I also decided a long time ago that there were certain people that were taking what I called my Cato time away. Cato is my you best know. friend. Okay. And, and so I was spending time with people that were, I'm taking time away from Cato and giving it to these people. And I made a decision that, you know, people that are helping me help myself and are taking my feedback and we're growing together are the people I should spend time with. And then there were some people that were sucking me dry. And so I made a conscious decision to kind of fire some friends and mm -hmm. invest time with people that we were going to grow together. And, and I look at that quite often. Who am I spending my time with? What are they doing for me? And, and I, I try to do a lot for other people. And I try to spend time with people that are kind of the same way. I get a lot of great insight from my buddies that help my marriage, help my parenting, help my business. That's amazing. Uh, and I think, I think people can choose to be in that kind of give and take relationship. I have a generous community, I guess you could say. I love that. I love that. And like, what, what would be that like common trait that you see between, between them all? Would it be that? I would say, first of all, hard work. Um, that's the one that I can't seem to get away from. And I know a lot of people want to get around that, but you look at the Kardashians and they're so famous and they're famous because <laughs> they're famous. No, they work their asses off. Yeah. And they take gambles and they have good ideas and they probably had some bad ideas, but that family works a lot. And are they more successful than they should be? Who cares? Um, so I don't really know too many people that don't work hard. I know a lot of frazzled, unorganized people that are really successful. So they have to get people around them to organize them. Mm. I know a lot of people that are great with the gifts of gab and selling, or they get other people to do it. A lot of people <laughs> that are great with money and 
and have that finance mind or they get other people to do. So I guess the, I guess the next thing would be learning to understand what you're weak at and what you're good at. You can take a strength finder test. You can take a disc test and then finding other people to fill in those blanks would be a second. And then I think there's a lot of similar values, integrity, honesty, um, contribution, drive. I like um, yeah, that similar values would be the third. Yeah. And I think it's a really interesting concept that like you've like fired friends because um, I've seen it. I mean, I've seen it a lot, but I mean, like, wh- I, like, I, like, what are those conversations like? Because like the thought of like firing a friend is like, for me, is kind of daunting, to be honest. Like, I don't know, like how, how does one even approach that? <laughs> wow. Well, I, I, I guess there's, there's many ways you could do that. So the easiest way is if someone flakes on me three times for a lunch, I tell them they're not allowed to have lunch with me for a year. So that's easy. Um, (laughs) and I won't enforce that rule with everybody. Um, but I don't know that I actually had the conversation. Mm -hmm. Maybe I'm a little bit of a chicken as much as I faded away. And, you know, I don't have time for that dinner. I don't have time for that meeting. I'm doing something else. Consciously, I was plugging other people in. And there's a guy named Keith Farazi that wrote a book called Never Eat Alone. And he talks about, you have, uh, if you're lucky, you've got two or three unconditional supporters. And he says, look, Find out who your 20 most important friends are and reach out to them and schedule time or something like that. So I on every Friday, I've got a list of people to call because there's something going on in their family or something. And I consciously look at who I'm spending my time with. And you know, I know I got Alex, Nicole, Lisa, yeah. Sean Baldwin. There's people I got to plug in there because I know they lift me up and I hope I do the same for them. I think more this the consciousness of scheduling the right people than telling the wrong people you're, quote, fired. I did I like tell one, the guy, that, the guy that gave me COVID in uh, Canada, I fired him as a friend. And then I realized that's not the type of person I am. I'm not living my values. So I had to go apologize. <laughs> I love that. And you rebounded nicely from COVID. Um, but we are winding down on time um, sure. coming up here. Um, just like a final question. I mean, like what advice? I mean, we've gotten a ton of it throughout the episode, but like if there is any advice that we didn't touch on that you would give to someone that's, you know, young twenties, I mean, like, what would it be? We touched on a lot of it. Is there anything else? Let a thousand flowers grow serendipity. So I, 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 I I was looking for a girlfriend. I never had a girlfriend before looking, looking, looking in college. And I made some weird decisions in college that I thought would help me find a girlfriend, which I can't say on your podcast. That's fair. It It had to do with extended abstinence. And I'm looking, looking, looking. And then finally, I give up on what I'm doing to look for the girlfriend. I go back to my horrible old ways. And then I found my wife who I who I who we'd known each other since fifth and seventh grade. She'd been there the whole time. I was so looking, looking, looking. I didn't notice it right in front of me. Uh So serendipity, uh, let a thousand flowers grow. You never know what's going to happen. And sometimes when you're searching, 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 you don't see it's right in front of your face. Yeah, that one that one kind of hits me in the face. <laughs> That's a great one. But Matt, thank you so much. That was an awesome episode with a ton of advice in there. Um, actually, final question for you: Where can people like best find you? Like, learn more about you, connect with you. You're awesome. Like, <laughs> this was a great conversation. Well, I, I really love doing the podcast. I appreciate you doing podcasts too, Ryan. I like uh, I like that you and I are out there trying to spread spread our knowledge and help people out. So ours is called the Edge of Excellence Podcast. We profile people's careers and their path to those careers. Um, Or I can be found on LinkedIn or Instagram, Matthew K. Stewart at both. 
Awesome. Sounds good. Matt, thank you so much for joining us. You were awesome. That was a really fun episode and very thankful to have you on. Thanks for having me, Ryan. And thank you so much for your help with my Boston tour and giving me all the (laughs) advice of where to go. (laughs) Awesome. Sounds good, Matt. (laughs) I hope you enjoyed that episode today on the Edge of Excellence podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe on whichever platform you're listening to this. If this episode made you think of someone, go ahead, take a screenshot and share this exact episode with them. This show exists to showcase what is possible when young leaders are willing to step out of their comfort zone and choose to excel in their lives. To learn more about our internship for young and ambitious students, www.oneinternship.com podcast to see if it's something that makes sense for you. Once again, it is www.oneinternship.com slash podcast. Let this be a reminder for you to live on the edge of excellence in your business and life. See you next time.